Our senior pastor when I was growing up was Joe Harding. He was a great preacher and storyteller and teacher. He's one of my main inspirations for becoming a pastor. I was that weird kid who would rather go to worship than Sunday school just so I could hear his sermons. Often I sat in the front row all by myself enjoying Joe's stories and his William Shatner's delivery minus the machismo and toupee. Joe was always bald as could be as far as I know. He enjoyed dressing up as biblical characters, was always energetic, but approachable. In a church with multiple pastors, he was the one I wanted to receive communion from. I was happy to receive my children's Bible from him, which I still have 43 years later, although it could have been Pastor Don long past into blessed memory who gave it to me. It was a long time ago. And I was also uh, happy to be baptized by Joe after going through confirmation when I was in junior high. I always think of Pastor Joe on Pentecost Sunday. It was his favorite church holiday. As we today celebrate the birth of the church, and he always made it a day of celebration with cake and outdoor activities. At this time of year, the weather in the Tri-Cities, Richland, Washington specifically, is generally predictably pleasant. So at our church, this celebration usually involved releasing a bunch of red balloons after worship as we all exited the building. Now the first year that I remember doing this, I was still in elementary school. It was a beautiful morning as we went in, but a sudden windstorm sprung up as we went out to let the balloons loose into the dusty air. The balloons were blown over the church straight into the tree behind the Assembly of God church next door. This tree just happened to be outside Joe's office window where he could sit and see the dead carcasses of those balloons hanging there all winter long after the tree lost its leaves. But Joe was not the kind to give up. The next year, he went into, we went into church on another beautiful morning, came out to let off the balloons, which floated straight up this time, but in return we were met with a sudden downpour of rain in the middle of a desert where rain is rare. The balloons were a success, but we were all drenched, including the pastors in their bright white robes who were wearing red crepe paper streamers. This was back in the days of heavier dyes, which would rub off your finger sometimes, and which bled all over those white robes, never to be fully restored to their original whiteness. Joe still didn't give up, though. In the name of interchurch relations, he invited the assembly folks and the Catholics across the street to join in next time, perhaps to make up for our mishaps or to invite disaster onto someone else's property. I don't know. It's a pretty foggy memory. Since I don't really know, remember how it went, just being a kid, my memory being even foggier now, I assume that my lack of memories means it finally went well. But anyway, here is the story of that first Pentecost celebration as recorded in Acts 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability. 
Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of one another. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and, and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you have a similar story or stories of such direct experience of the Spirit? Or has it been a slow process of gradual assimilation into the power of the Spirit over time, that Spirit which dwells in all who profess Jesus as their Lord? There is only one Spirit, but each of us is different. So we all have different yet similar experiences with the Spirit. Some folks seem more sensitive to the Spirit's presence. Some are more focused on other aspects of this life in Christ. Some have vibrant memories. Some of us don't. But we all join together in boldly proclaiming that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We may be in awe of the images the story of Pentecost produces in our minds. We cannot forget the opening up of God's grace offered to all people that day. In sharing the gospel today, we continue to pass the flame released on that day almost 2,000 years ago. The Spirit is an unquenchable fire inspiring us and driving us onward today. We, of course, do not know when Christ will return, but this pandemic we are currently in should remind us that we are in the last days. The final day may not come within our lifetime, but we should be prepared as if it could come at any point perhaps today or tomorrow. We all need to seek God with our whole being right now, every day, and have a renewed sense of urgency in reaching the lost with the good news of salvation in Christ through God's grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a time for prayer, 
searching our hearts, and searching scripture. We remember that this is a two-way conversation with God and the Spirit, leading to spiritual conversations with each other later on. It is not just about gaining more information, but about connecting in the Spirit for guidance, wisdom, and comfort. In the Spirit, we have access to our deepest prayers and concerns, even those beyond words, beyond earthly constraints of time and flesh, which the Spirit alone can pray for us. In the Spirit, we are connected now and for all eternity. We celebrated Pastor Joe's life just before I left for seminary, almost 10 years ago now, maybe more. I was, it was a joyous time of remembrance and connection. The church was full, and we even had some video of Joe preaching. He was a spirit-filled servant of our Lord, still an inspiration for so many along this path with Jesus and his followers. In this difficult time, May we continue to be inspired by those who have helped us along and seek to be those who inspire others along. Even at a distance as we are now, we are still connected in the Spirit, united forever in Christ's love. May the flame unleashed at Pentecost so long ago fill our hearts with joy and purpose today. Amen. <laughs>